Hi, my name is David Siegler and welcome to my podcast. Hi everyone, welcome, welcome to my podcast and this is a very special episode because I'm going to talk about the B word, Brexit. I swore I'd never do it, I did, but I've been getting feedback from investors who are telling me that they are concerned about Brexit. So uh, maybe you found this, maybe you've had an investor, generally an inexperienced investor, it must be said, uh, who's dropped you an email and said, do you know what, Um, I've been speaking to friends, family, mum, dad, whatever, and um, I was going to invest in property, I was going to start my journey, but I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait till after March 29th, 2019, Brexit Day, because there's so much uncertainty and I don't know what to do and, and it's probably better to wait. And I honour that, I respect it, I get it. Um, we've all been there, we've all had doubts in our minds about various things, big choices that we have to make in life over the years. So I, I, I really honour it, but is it the right thing to do? Is it? What effect is Brexit going to have on the UK property market? Will it have an effect on the UK property market? Has the effect on the UK property market already happened? Has it been factored in? Uh, Have the corrections, certainly in central London and parts of the southeast, is that it? Is that all we're going to get? Or are we on the edge of an abyss of prices plummeting beyond anything that's been imaginable. So um, these are my thoughts on it. Uh, And uh, it's not helpful for people who try and give a bit of guidance on the effect of Brexit on the property market to say, you know what the answer is? We don't know. That's what they say. We don't know. And uh, we don't know, but I will try and help you here because I think there are things that we do know and that we can put in place, we can apply them. There are lessons learned in our property history, in our property training over many, many years, and I'm going to share them with you now. Um, I'm not going to say, you know, we don't know. Uh, That's no help at all. I'm going to make my best guess. And here is a financial health warning to anyone who's listening. This is a guess, but it's an educated guess. It's a guess based on what I have learned because I may be a little bit older than some of you listening to this episode. I may. uh, I believe that I have now lived through five property cycles, five cycles, five times I've seen despair and the ripping of clothes and the tearing of hair on the way down and we're all ruined forever to be followed within a few years by a boom and everyone's happy and smiling and your house prices are going up 10 grand a day or something like that. So five times I've been through this. uh, So I'm going to apply the lessons that I've learned and I'm going to share that with you now. So what have I learned? Here's what I've learned, T. There will indisputably be at some point, another crash in property prices. There will, because there always is. Uh, And that will be followed by a boom in property prices. And the boom will take prices above the peak of where they were before the previous drop. 
because that's what history tells us. So this is an audio presentation, right? But if you go and look at the charts, that is what you'll see. What do I mean, David? Okay, I'll tell you what I mean. Let's start in 1974. In 1974, it was the start of a property crash, and the crash was going to come, uh, but there was a trigger for the crash. I'm going to talk through the trigger. But in 1974, at that time, we were saying, wow, it's been a property boom. Prices have never been this high. They'll never get this high again. The, the, the market can't support these property prices. First-time buyers cannot afford to buy. Prices have to go. And, but we didn't know when they were going to go down. We didn't. And um, 1974, in my view, was triggered by the oil crisis. That is what led to the fall in property prices. That is what led to the downturn in the economy generally. So oil prices went up and up and up and up for political reasons. Uh, we were stuck. We had uh, the miners' strike. We were on a three-day week. These are not political points. I'm not banking political points. These are factually what happened. If you went shopping in 1974, and some of us did, and some of you listening will know this, you went into shops that were uh, lit by little gas lamps and stuff like that. Unthinkable now. I know. Unthinkable now. But that's what they were. They were in semi-darkness, especially going into the winter months, um, because we had to keep going. And there was a three-day working week. It's a fact. It's not a political point. We were Industry in the UK in 1974 was subjected to a three-day working week. You could only work three days because we had no power. And that led to a dip in properties. But what we didn't realise was that by 1981, prices would have recovered. Not only recovered, they'd actually moved on to a much higher level, almost double what they were in 1974. Remember, when we stood at the peak in 74, we couldn't see prices going any higher. It was just totally impractical. 1981, they were higher. But then we went into another recession and prices were hit again. But there was a different trigger this time. So the cycle rolls on, up and down, zigs and zags. But there was a different reason this time. This time, it was it was a rather localised recession in 1981. Um, it was triggered by... Probably the economic policies of the Thatcher government at the time. This isn't politics. I'm not saying if I supported it or didn't, right? But this is what happened. Um, the Thatcher government decided to restrict money supply. They squeezed money supply. The uh, enemy for the Thatcher government was inflation. They fought inflation at every turn. They went on to drive the evil of inflation out of the economy. For the whole of the Thatcher period, 11 years or so that uh, uh, Lady Thatcher was at the helm, you know, it did, inflation, inflation, inflation was the top priority. But looking back from today, we know what the inflation rates are today, very low digits, right? The average inflation rate during the Thatcher period was 9.9%. An unthinkable inflation rate today and it was good and bad because obviously inflation erodes your power of your spending. But if you've got asset inflation, if you've got 10% a year asset inflation, your the value of your property is going to double in about seven years, roughly, if you compound it up. And that makes heroes out of us, us property investors. It does. 
But in 1981, we were at the trigger point of another downturn and um, the property prices went down again. There was a recession. Uh, I was there. I was working at the time and the recession ended and I really don't remember how the recession ended. We just woke up one day and it was sort of sort of gone. There was no more recession. And the 80s were a period of great boom. Um, great boom in salaries, great boom in asset values. Doesn't matter what the asset was. Maybe it was stocks and shares. Maybe it was property. The 80s boomed. Till we got to 1991, where again, prices had gone way above what they were in 1981. Unimaginable heights from 1981 to see what they got in 1991. Uh, and it was economics again that led us into a downturn, economic downturn, property prices fell. Um, at that point, uh, the UK was in the ERM, the forerunner of the euro. We were shadowing the Deutschmark. That was didn't appear to be a bright idea at the time, but people much wiser than me took us down that route, and we were catapulted out of the ERM. Uh, interest rates, I remember, overnight, that day that we left the ERM, UK interest rates were at 30%. 30%, that was real, team. I mean, absolutely real. Unthinkable today. But that's what happened. So, yes, there was a slump in property, but there was a slump in the economy. And then, actually, you can trace back the roots of the recovery from leaving the ERM. You can. But from that day in 1992, the 91-92, the economy was set to recover very, very slowly at first. Uh, the buy-to-let mortgage was born in 1996. It made a difference. It did, because we could go out and buy investment properties now. There was clearly a demand for it, or the buy-to-let mortgage would not have grown. And um, I have friends going out in the mid-90s buying properties, then at ticket price. You know, this was the market price. They weren't doing anything clever. But if I tell you the prices today that they paid in 95, 96, whenever, um, it was just amazing, amazing. So I had a friend who got into property at that time in the mid-1990s living in Brighton. He was buying studio flats in Brighton. He was paying the market price. Nothing clever about that team, right? The market price at the time was £15,000. And I will admit to having a little chuckle. Because uh, what I saw, my perspective of what he was doing, was buying market-priced uh, property that would never really go up in value because it was just little studio flats in Brighton. And um, I'd do something else with my money. And then he started paying 20 grand for them, and I chuckled. And then he paid 25, and I started to hoot out loud. This was really, really funny. £30,000 he then went to buying a studio flat in Brighton. Those studios today... Probably, depending on condition, uh, are worth between 100 and 130. And he went on into buying flats. He went on into buying houses, a semi-detached, his first semi-detached ex-council property that he bought in Brighton in 1995 cost him 25 grand. Unthinkable today. Entry-level houses in and around Brighton today, in excess of, north of, 250 grand. Probably close to 300 grand. So just extraordinary. But where we were at the time, we couldn't see the wood for the trees. We could only see a rising market. And it continued to rise into the 2000s. 
into um, all the way up to 2008 when it changed again. And there was a turn in the market. So the point I'm making to you, let's not lose sight of the point, is the market ebbs and flows. The property market goes up and it goes down and then it goes up and then it goes down. And uh, in 2008, it went down. And we all know all about that. You don't need any history lessons from me. But what was the trigger? There was a trigger. So we know now that economically it was inevitable from what was going on at that point with subprime mortgages and the way the economy was working. It was inevitable it was going to be a crash. But what triggered the cap crash? What one thing? Why in 2008? Why at that point in 2008 did it happen? Why didn't it happen in 2007? Why didn't we hang on another year? I don't know. But the trigger was, was it the collapse of Lehman Brothers? Was it here? The collapse of Northern Rock? Was it the expose of the subprime mortgages? Um, Freddie and Martha were lending over in the States. Or was it something else? The point is, we don't know. But we've been trying to sort it out for the last 10 years. Uh, and property, property prices have been rising. It hasn't really been a boom in the sense that you haven't really had the price rises nationally in the UK. So London and the South East done really, really well. Uh, in my experience, there are, of course, there are pockets of the north uh, of England that have done really well because they're that sort of property. But for most of the north of England, um, maybe we're back at 2007 boom prices now. Maybe we're a little bit ahead. Maybe we are. But there hasn't been exponential growth that we've had in London and the southeast over the last 10 years. So it's a bit of a weird recovery. History tells us that that is not the norm. That is not typical. But prices have been recovering. We have been working in a rising market for 10 years. So I'm going to come back to that because we don't know if next year there's going to be a fall in property prices. We don't. And, uh, you know, you can have all sorts of wise heads telling it, yes, there will be because of X, Y, Z, or no, they won't be because of ABC. We don't know when it's going to happen, but I'm telling you it's going to happen. It will happen. We do know the property prices will fall. We don't know exactly when. So coming back to the premise of this episode, how do we serve investors today? Because we are deal packages, right? We are sourcing and selling deals. How do we serve them uh, to make sure that they make wise decisions? How do we work with the people who do want to invest with property? The ones that are saying, no, 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 it's all a bit risky at the moment with Brexit. I want to leave it. That's cool. Let them leave it. Right? I would never try and talk people around. But they're generally the inexperienced ones. Experienced property investors know the cycle. And they know the cycle when they see it. The problem is they don't know what they're going to see when they look at it today. So how do we serve our investors today? The key thing is to know that the underlying principles are the same. Property is very simple. Either it's going to go up or it's going to go down. Are we investing for cash flow or are we investing for capital growth? These are the principles. These are the questions you have to ask yourself. So over the last 10 years, um, and that coincides with a period when I got involved in property education. I was sort of self-taught before that. And I didn't know what I didn't know. And there weren't people like me now sharing their thoughts and I could evaluate it and take a view on it. Now, this is really, really important. So in the last 10 years, we have been working in a rising market. 
Remember, the market either rises or it falls. No in-between here. So in a rising market, we've had to focus on cash-flowing strategies. That's what it's all about. We've had to use our education to make sure that the investments we make cash flow to protect us against any eventuality. And we've had to add value. We've had to add value to the cash flow or whatever property it is. So we've been talking over the last 10 years a lot about multi-lets because we can take a single let house, which has a particular market rent, and that'll be the gross yield on the property, right? But if we can increase the market rent by letting the house buy the rooms instead of buy it to a family, but you let it buy the room, you get higher rent, so you increase your yield. So in a rising market, if you're buying into a market that is rising, so you're paying more than you might have paid in the last downturn, we have to look at increasing the rent roll to maximize our yield. How are we going to do it? Multi-layer. The birth of serviced accommodation in the right properties, in the right locations, serviced accommodation, an extraordinary tool that we can use because it produces multi-let returns on a single-let house. You are still basically uh, letting a house on a single-let basis, but you're not now doing it on a short-short-hold tenancy in the UK. You are doing it uh, by the night, right? So it's not a six-month tenancy. Most tenancies are six-month tenancies. It's not. We're doing it by the night and exponentially raising the income. So in the rising market from 2008 to today, we've had to think about income. We've had to think about cash flow. We've had to think about gross yield. We are at some point going to go into a falling market. We are. In parts of London and the southeast, we are already in a falling market. But maybe that's uh, very localised. Maybe that's because foreign investors are no longer coming because they're worried about Brexit. Uh, maybe when uh, they see that actually there's going to be a deal and Brexit's going to be fine, whatever your view is might be different. But, you know, with the EU, there's always a last-minute deal. There's always a two-minutes-to-midnight deal and sit up for three, four nights in a row, bashing it out. So I suspect there will be a deal, right? I'm not saying I'm pro, I'm not saying I'm against. I'm just saying as is, what I see. And what I see with the EU, if you go back to Maastricht, if you go back beyond, there's always a deal. And I suspect this time there will be a deal. Uh, and once there's a deal, we've got certainty. The uncertainty has been removed and we can get on with things. Maybe the foreign money will come back and the market will continue to rise because the foreign money comes back in, uh, London heals, the rest of the country follows London. That's kind of how it goes, right? At the moment, we're in a weird situation where London is hurting and prices have fallen from very high values, it must be said, especially in inner London. Uh, but the rest of the country, really, where, where real people live, you know, outside the M25, where real people live in real houses, property prices there, in my experience, you know, talking to my mentees, masterminders that I work with, I am seeing prices stay pretty firm. So this is not a UK event at the time. It's At this time, it's a localised London event. So if we are going into a falling market, let's say it spreads. Let's say it goes across the UK. Let's say prices drop 
15, 20%, whatever. We've seen that before in our lives. We have. Our job as deal packages is to serve our investors with a different type of strategy. Because now you're looking at buying property at the right money. You're looking at making your profit in on the way in. Now, in a rising market, we're all chasing around, or friends who are not educated by me are chasing around looking for BMV properties. You know, to use a round number figure, 100 grand property, they want to buy it at 75 grand. How many are they buying? Not many. Because people can't afford to sell at 75 grand. You know, that's the truth of it. Um, if we're going into a falling market where that 100 grand house is falling, it's a whole different game, a completely different game. And I have worked in those circumstances as well. So if you know the market is falling and you know that at some point the market's going to recover and take up off again and go beyond the peak that it's just fallen from, then that gives you confidence. So I have a friend who has just bought two investment properties, two in London, right? And you know, I can show you the land registry details. I can. This is real, okay? So he's bought a two-bed apartment on the old Brompton Road, SW2, just by Earl's Court. Um, very, very strong address. Prices there were very, very, very strong. The apartment, when he first viewed it, this was about 12 months ago, was advertised for sale at £940,000. He has bought it today at 735. Now, 735 grand is still a lot of money. It is, if you haven't got it. But if you have got it, and some investors that I work with have got it, then to buy that flat on the old Brompton Road at 735, maybe that's a really good investment. Because what's that flat going to be worth in 2030? You know, I'm I'm speaking to the microphone today. I'm speaking to you guys today in 2018 going into 2019. In 2030, the world's going to be a very different place. And uh, to be honest, team, if I can be completely frank, if prices in the old Brompton Road, SW2, that postcode, tank and never recover, it's, you know, it's the end for all of us, really, right? That is not going to happen. So he's buying at 735, a lot of money, I hear you. But he knows in 2030, it's going to be worth more than 735. It's going to be worth more than 940, which was the original offer. Would it be 1.735? Unthinkable today. However, every peak, every time in history, every peak is you've reached unthinkable levels, right? You think the property can never go any higher. And then property goes down, we have a little dip, and when it comes back, the very next peak is higher than the unthinkable peak that we're at today. It's just the way it works. You can go back and scroll through all the charts, do a Google search. Mr. Google's got all this information. Go and have a look. So he's bought that flat on the old Brompton Road. He's bought another house. He's bought a house in Shepherd's Bush, very desirable area for people to live real people live in shepherd's bush and what he's bought uh it's not victorian it's an edwardian villa type terraced property so basically it's a a big smart victorian type terrace built in the edwardian era about the um early part of the 20th century big bay and forecourt windows downstairs bay and forecourt upstairs he 
There's a very nice extension, loft extension with a dormer at the rear. It's been done at some point. Great accommodation. This house was on the market 12 months ago at £835,000. And uh, that was the market value. He's just picked it up at 700. Huge discount on that house. And it's the same story with the SW2 Old Brompton Road flat. You know, he's bought it. Um, he bought in Shepherd's Bush at 700,000. Where are you going to be in 2030, team? Where are those prices going to be? Will it have doubled? Will we go to 1.4? Will it go to 1.5? We don't know, but if I'm spared, if I'm blessed, if I'm still podcasting, I will come back uh, in at the end of 2030 and I will tell you what that house is worth. And um, I just know it's going to be higher. I just know it's going to be higher. So is the market going to crash? Are your investors saying to you, oh, I don't want to do it now, David. We don't know what's going to happen. It's all a bit weird and I'm going to wait for Brexit. Uh, what's going to happen? The answer is we do know what's going to happen, but we don't know when, right? We do know there's going to be a little price crash at some point. There will. Will it be triggered by Brexit? We don't know. Uh, we just have to wait and see. But the thing about packaging deals, the thing about sourcing and packaging deals is that it is the only strategy that works in a rising market and in a falling market. So the emphasis is different. The emphasis in a rising market is in adding value, whether it be multi-let or service to combination or actually physically adding value, actually taking a house and developing it, going up, going down, going back, Um putting dormers in, converting 1930s detached four bedders into 2018 five-bed, three-bath, um, walk-in wardrobes, glazed atriums at the rear, um, painted white with glazed grey slate roofs. You've all seen those houses, right? Updating them and adding so much value. That's what it's all been about for the last 10 years. When the market turns... It will, but I can't tell you when, team. It's going to be a different game because then we are serving our investors by getting great discounted deals, deals where the property prices are going down today. But we know because of the postcode, because of the quality of the building, because of the amenities, because of the um, access to roads and hospitals and all the infrastructure that you need, we know that over time that property is going to go up in value again. And that's how we serve our investors and that's how we get paid. Not just throwing mother at a wall, any old house anywhere, but the right house in a falling market is going to be a blessing to your investors going forward uh, and they are going to make a huge amount of money over the medium term when the uh, property market rises again. So these are just my thoughts. These are the inner workings of my business. This is how I present current situations to my current investors. This is how they should think as professional property investors. This is how we should think as pro professional property sources. I hope it's been helpful. I hope it helps you earn some money. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and I will see you very, very soon. Thank you for listening. I am David Siegler. See you on the next episode.